TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Hey, hey, it's that time of the week again. Talk time with Romalis Jones. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners and to all of our friends that have joined in with us. As I tell you all the time, we want you that are listening to us live and witnessing this show live to like and to share and make sure you go and like the Talk Time with Romalis Jones page and know that you are very appreciative where well, we appreciate you for being on the show. And to all of my OAM listeners, I appreciate you as well. We're going to jump right in to our show. We are talking about a topic that most people don't want to deal with and most people are afraid to talk about. So we got something coming to you tonight and I want you to tune in and I want you to pay attention. We have a young man that's coming on the show as well um, that's going to talk, but we're going to just move right on into the show. Um, And we want to say once again, thank you for being one of our viewers and our listeners to the OEM network listeners. Well, tonight we're talking about experience, my experience with 201 popular, my experience with 201 popular. And it's not only my experience, it is um, the young man that's coming on the show as well. 201 popular is a Prison is the place where they lock up our individuals here. And it's also the place where you go and um, have your tickets and all that um, serviced, what have you. So I want to bring out some things on tonight and I want you to be attentive to the things that we're going to bring out. And um, I want you also to know that it's just for information sake. So tonight I start out with our what's in your cup moment and what's in your cup moment is a situation where most people don't actually know what's going on with you. So tonight in my cup, I want to appreciate all those that have been um, special to me. And there is a young lady that's in Chicago, Illinois, in Chicago, Illinois, that has been very dear to me, a very dear person. And she's going to probably get me when she finds out. But I want to salute and I want to say happy 86th birthday to my aunt Jerry. So for those that's out there, uh, this is one of my favorite aunts. She is my favorite aunt on my dad's my grandfather's side is my grandfather, my late grandfather's sister. And I, her picture may be up on the screen. I don't know, um, but it's coming up. But happy birthday, Aunt Jerry. If I could sing, I would sing to you. But I just wanted you all to see. There she is, my beautiful Aunt Jerry. Um, and I want to say happy birthday. So that's what's in my cup. And just yesterday, um, my Aunt Jackie, she's gone on and, and she's watching over us now. She celebrated a b- earthly birthday. But I wanted to salute 
all of those that have birthdays in this month of February. This is Black History Month, and I do say that she is a historian. She was one of my um, substitute teachers when I was coming up in school in the Chicago um, school system. So once again, happy birthday to you, Aunt Jerry. We're going to jump right in. Robert McGee has made his arrival. Um, you know how stars do, celebrities do. They come on in a little late or what have you, but he is here, and we are appreciative that he is here um, and going to share with us on tonight. How How's it going with you, Robert? You guys got to jump right on in. What's going on? Yeah, Robert McGee is um, the founder and the CEO of Forever Entertainment. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, we've been messing with the music for some quite some time now. And um, actually, uh, after I lost my mother, you know what I'm saying? Me and my little brother were sitting down, and he was like, "Bro, I really want to work on my music." So, ever since then, we've been going full fledged. Well, that's what's up. So tell us what, when you say you're going full flesh, just give us a little insight on, before we jump into our conversation tonight, about um, our experience, your experience, my experience, everybody's experience that's right here in Memphis, experience with 201 Poplar. Tell us a little bit about who Robert McGee is and um, what you're doing with the Forever Entertainment. Give us a little bit more details. Actually, I am the CEO of Forever Family Entertainment and um what we got going, man, is really a family thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm really a family type person. So uh, it's like uh, my brother, Rico Montel, you know what I'm saying? He was one of my R&B artists. And, um, you know, what we doing now, we hitting the streets. We state to state, you know what I'm saying? He getting booked for shows worldwide. So, you know, we just, we following up with everything we got. We just trusting the process. Just trusting the process. So is Rico Montel the only um, artist that you have? Actually, uh, I have other artists that's up under me, but right now we're kind of focusing on what Rico Montel got going. I got you. So I wanted to introduce you on to the positive things that Robert is doing, but Robert has a story, and part of Robert's story is involving with 201 Poplar. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and we're going to get into the story, but this is a success story. This is Black History Month, and there are those that have gone on and made history, but I do want those that are listening to, like I say, tune in and let people know that we're on the air, but this is a young man that has um, gone through some things and has gone to some better things. So um, tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about. I chose this topic to talk about because I am concerned, and you know that I'm an advocate for young people and pushing them to be the best that they can be. And I had an experience on just last week, which caused me to wonder, um, is the root of, we're not going to say the root, it's part of the problem with our young people and those that are in the inner city, um, this, the system that we're in, you know, cause when I went down there, um, it's an oppressed place. And like I said, for those that are listening in two or one popular is our jail system is where you go to take care of your um, business and where they incarcerate people, but it's a very oppressed place. And I felt a little insulted and it was just rude to the people. Have you experienced that? Yes, I have. I mean, actually I didn't been, on the other side, you know, I mean, I didn't been once an inmate at 201 Poplar, you know, and uh, actually, I just tell anybody, you know what I'm saying? If you if, 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 if you know better, you actually supposed to do better. So, you know what I'm saying? I actually went through some trials and tribulations in my life, you know, went down the wrong path. But, you know, now I'm trying to straighten it up, coming back, correcting everything, you know what I'm saying? And going for what's mine. Okay, so your experience down there at 201 Poplar, um, as I said, it was an uncomfortable 
experience. And then when I say that it was uncomfortable, I feel that when a person is provoked by rudeness, right. it brings up all of the other stuff out of you. I don't care if you're Christian or what have you. Right. You can try to be meek and honorable, but just a person being rude. That's even if you're at church. If you come into the door and the usher's rude, that throw off the whole service. Right. So I went down there to take care of a situation. And I, I had I dressed in this outfit today. I didn't have no suit on. You couldn't tell that I was pastor or whatever the titles that people would put on me. Right. I was just an average person. Right. And you shouldn't have to have a title as such and such to be treated right. Right. And that disturbed me. It actually messed up my whole. I'm not going to say messed up my whole day, but it was a trigger point. Right. Mood swing. Throws your whole day out. So when I looked at the ones that was in there that may not have a voice like mine, I was like, wow. It's a concern. Is that the core of the problem of why individuals don't respect those that are in authority or those that wear those uniforms? Because sometimes you get in those uniforms and those uniforms just take you to the next place. Right. Well, what is your comment on that? Then, well, you know, one, one thing about it, once, once they feel like they're in high power authority and actually, um, you know, 201 got a lot of women officers that work down there. And um, at the same time, what they do is. You know what I'm saying? They could have personal issues. They come in, you know, come to work with personal issues that's going on in the, inside their household or maybe what's going on right before they step the foot into work. You know, you know what I'm saying? And they take it out on the inmates. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, like I say, they can throw the whole day off, throw the whole the whole moving it off. Because one thing about it, when you're there, you're already, you know, you're in another world inside of a world. So you got to try to keep your stay focused on what's in front of you. So, you know. If they come in with a bad vibe, they throw a bad vibe on your end. You already stuck inside of a box, right. you know. So you know what I'm saying. It's kind of hard right. to cope with different attitudes and personalities. Right, 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 right. I got you. And I'm sitting up here messing up on some stuff. Where I got this phone on, and I don't know how to turn it off. But um, hey, how you turn this off? Hand it over to Gil. Um, but you're absolutely right. They come in with bad vibes, bad attitudes, and then they provoke that and. You're talking about the authority figures having a bad day. What about a person off the street that's come in and then I'm acting a certain way with you and then you expect me to respect your authority and I'm off the street? You right. see what I'm saying? Right, right. That makes so, sense. So now there's a clash. There's a clash. There's right. a clash. Right. So we're going to jump right into um, could you do you feel comfortable with talking about some of the things that you that led you to 201 Poplar? Actually, I mean, there's no problem. Um uh one thing I can say, you know, I never had any violent crimes. I never, you know, um, no robbery or nothing like that. Um, all my crimes was pretty much, you know what I'm saying, uh, drug trafficking and um, not, um, you know, getting caught with a firearm and money. Drug trafficking, firearm and money. Okay. So I was involved with the process of you um, being where you are today. And how many years you been home? Actually, I've been home going on seven years, March 20, um 23rd. Seven years. And he's actually a success story. And I want everybody that's out there that's listening to share. And I want you to be able to call in just a little bit about experiences with our um, legal system. Um, the one reason I, I brought you on the show is because of the fact that you are a success story. And I felt that it was befitting for Black History Month. We put a lot of emphasis on um, people that have been notable in certain areas. But when you have gone down a bad road and it's been six years, you're now married. Yes. Yes, I am. How many kids? I got um, actually it's four. I got four kids and all. 
four kids, and you are an entrepreneur. Yes, 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 yes. Um, actually, like I say, it wasn't easy. Actually, coming from home, coming home from prison, and actually, uh, you know, I had a fatal tragedy. You know what I'm saying? I lost my mother and I lost my brother pretty much almost at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like four to five months after I came home from prison. So um, I kind of feel like God had shaped me already. But when I came home, it was more like reality. It was facts. You know what I'm saying? Because what was going on, what was taking place, I didn't know a lot of stuff that was going on. I wasn't aware of it. So when I came home, it was like, boom, it blowed up in my face. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, you know, I couldn't put that same energy back into what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Because on, on everything, my mother was, you know, like my right-hand woman. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So I, I, I couldn't. I just had to go a different route. You know what I'm saying? I, I had to go a different route. And, um, you know, it, it was just, it, it was it was hard. But at the same time, I just put that same mentality, my same hustle, my same drive. I put that same mentality into some positive and productive. And that's the key thing. You was hit. You First of all, you was down in in the jail system. Right. They was giving you the runarounds. Right. I remember your, little, your, your young brother, who is Rico Montiel. Right. Calling out to me, hey, could you come? down uh, we need your assistance and my schedule was um, continuous busy and every time that he would come back to me they was doing the same thing right. just because I feel that because he didn't have a certain status or he just didn't know right well actually um what it pretty much what it was I mean you know I got sentenced uh 7.2 seven, seven, seven years and uh you know at two percent uh thirty percent seven years or seven point two at thirty percent I got sentenced there so what had happened I had flattened the 7.2, but then once I flattened the 7.2, my release date, you know what I'm saying? My release date was saying one thing, so I'm thinking they finna call my name and I'm finna be released or whatever, and you know what I'm saying? It was like, uh, no, maybe something happened in the system, uh, give it a couple more days, and you know, them days turned in from days to weeks. Next thing you know, I ended up doing another couple months. So I was actually going, trying to go back to court, you know what I'm saying, to figure out what was going on and actually give whatever time they wanted. I was trying to give it back, come home on an early release. So what they did, they had gave me a 7.2, but they ended up, after I flattened my 7.2, they tried to give me another 1129, you know what I'm saying, running wild by itself. So they figured I was going to do another six to seven months in jail, you know what I'm saying, and I mean... Actually, we went, shoot, we spent all type of money. We spent bukus of money and, shoot, trying to get back and forth, you know what I'm saying, going back from the penal form to 201 to, you know, try to get back in court to get a court date to talk to the judge and see could we overturn it. And, they I mean, they denied me like three times, you know what I'm saying, and it was within like a four- to five-month period. So after um, that, I went back to court. We, we ended up paying to go back to court. Which my you know what I'm saying, my auntie paid for that. Jardine, Jardine McGee, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna put her out there on Front Street. Oh, you shouting out you know to Jardine McGee, so you take care. But with all that being said, when I got involved into the process, um, you were supposed to be released, but right. something kept getting shifted. You kept getting right. shifted like, around. Man, I mean, I really don't know really what was going on. Actually, it was on my lawyer end too. So it was, um, you know, I, I reached out to Rico, and Rico reached out to you, and you came in, and I mean, I don't know what happened, you know what I'm saying? It was just well, like, this, that's the you thing. know, I got released that same day. Well, the thing about it is kind of like, and when you know people, 
Right. You know, someone spotted me down there and they say, what you doing down here? Uh, you know, because I was involved in the situation in 2006. Right. Which we're not going to just talk about that. But there was something that happened to our family. Right. And um, one of the DAs recognized me and said and I said, well, I'm down here on the other side of the fence. Right. And he went in there and took care of that situation because you're supposed to have been home. Right. I supposed to be home like five months prior. You had supposed to have been home. And that's the issue that I'm. Um, I want to bring out and I'm not just calling out 201 popular. We're going to take a break in just a minute so we can gather ourselves um, and I'll come back to really the crux of this. Um, we had some delays in traffic and, and, and Mr. McGee was a little late. So right. don't go nowhere. I want to just take a quick short break because I want to deal with another situation that happened in New York. So we want you to tune in and um, for my Facebook live listeners, please share, tell people we're on the air and we got something coming your way because it may be your child the next time. It may be your nephew that's stuck in the system. So stay tuned, like and share. I see all my friends out there. I see Vicky on, on here. I see um, Perry, my family, Sonia, um, DJ Church. Y'all stay tuned, like and share. I'm coming right back in just a few minutes. Let OM help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info at theoamnetwork.com and ask about our 2017 sponsorship packages. Theoamnetwork.com. All original podcasts released weekly in Memphis, Tennessee. All right, we are back with my guest co-host tonight, Robert McGee. Robert McGee, the, the founder and CEO of Forever Entertainment. Forever Entertainment. Let me get this little hat right on my head. Yeah, Forever Entertainment. So we thank you all for being here. Mary Dukes, I see you out there. Smack, smack, dab, dab. What you be saying? <laughs> I, hear, I see you. You say I'm here. I see you here. But like I said, we are back with Robert McGee, our co-host. He is the CEO of Forever Entertainment. And he is one that has a success story um, that survived being in the system. Um here in Memphis, Tennessee, and have had some experiences. Um, this show derived from me going down there to take care of some business and just experiencing the rudeness of the superiors that's there. And I feel that that rudeness can provoke other behaviors in other people. And now it kind of helped me to see why most kids in the inner city don't have respect. Right. Uh, I heard that you have to give respect in order to receive respect. Um, so that's kind of really why I brought the show on. And then I did have a chance to speak with um, the judge that was there. And, and and even in that response, she said she'd been on the bench for 20 some years and never had a complaint. Right. That's kind of hard to um, believe. But if that is the case, that means that most people are not talking about their situations or their experiences and it just get worse. Right, right, right. I believe you're supposed to respect those that um, are, um, governing our law. Right. But at the same time, they have to respect those that um, are part of the law, right. the people. Right. And you shouldn't have to have a suit on to get that. You know, so when I thought about your story and thought about you being a success story, when I did go down there, we didn't we left that out. Um, it was a person that I knew, a person that had authority. And he did find out that you had spent too much time. And you should have been released. And just within that time, and I saw your lawyer walking around every time we tried to get his attention and I didn't have on no jeans or nothing like that. Right. I was dressed appropriate, but he did the same thing that Rico was telling me that happened to him. Right, right, right. 
And then when he found out that I knew his boss, right. then things started changing. But by then I had already taken care of that. So that's one of the experiences, even in your case. Right. If I hadn't come down there just because your brother didn't have, quote unquote, the connection or didn't know exactly what to say, you would have still been in there. Right, right, right. Actually, um, and my lawyer was actually blind to the fact because, I mean, I got out of jail that same day. Got and out I, the same day. It just was. It happened so fast. You got out of jail. I went on to my next appointment. Rico stayed right there. Right, right. And I did say, and I can't call the um, DA's name. I'm not going to call his name out here because we haven't spoken. He said, I don't want to see him down here again. I say, you won't see him down here again. Yeah, actually, he hasn't seen me down here. Heaven, and we got to go back and see him um, because since then, you became, I keep shouting it out of business, man. Right, you're, right, right. you're married, have a beautiful wife, very intelligent wife, yes, and I have do. four children. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So that's a success story. That's a success story. Right. So. We have these things going on in our prison system. Um, my producer sent me some information on um, the situation that happened in Brooklyn with um, the love and hip hop artist Star Yanzi, Yandy. Yes. She got pepper sprayed during the time the weather was real bad and they did a protest about the, the prison treatment that the people was getting in New York. Right. Does things go on behind those bars that most people don't know you have to suffer? Because that was kind of harsh with that type of record-breaking weather that was going on, and they wouldn't even give those people any assistance or, or nothing. I understand. Didn't give them any quilts and stuff. Yeah. Have Did you experience any of that in our system here? Yes, I did. I mean, I mean it, it's, the, the whole system is actually just really crooked. But at the same time, you know, I experienced a lot of um, – you know, like people's was like you, you sometimes they had um they had rival fights or whatever it was, gang related or have it popped off and say for instance the 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 victim, the guy, you know, actually got brutal, got hurt, got hurt real bad and you know, they wouldn't even let his mothers and the people's on the outside communicate with him. You know what I'm saying? And then it it not been other incidents where the jealous, you know what I'm saying, jump on the inmates or however they come and they isolate the inmates, you know what I'm saying, to where they can't be seen, take their visitation away from them, have your people thinking you're in the hole for something else, but the whole time you're in the hole for what they done did to you. So it's some unfair treatment. Now, I'm, I, let me ask you this. Are these behaviors from the um, jailers provoked by the prisoners or have you just seen some ish, some situations just like you said, they may have had a bad day at home and they come and take it out on you all? Right. I mean, um, half of the jailers got issues. You know what I'm saying? They come in there with personal issues, like I said. And and yeah, I mean, it's one thing go wrong. I mean, some could get it, it, it could it could go left, you know. I didn't seen people get put in the hole for nothing just because the jailer didn't like them. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it's 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 just it's it's crazy. And we want you to be able to call in. The number's gonna be on the screen and so you can give some input um for those that's listening live about any experience that you've had in the jail system. I see people that's calling uh, that's on the show that's not here in Tennessee, but you may have some people that you are aware of that have had some bad experience. This is not to bash public authorities. It's not a, 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 um, a authority figures, officers or jailers or deputy jailers or nothing. This show is real people, real conversations, real issues. And this is a situation that this young man has experienced. And as I said, I brought this show on because of the fact that I'm like, wow, I know I don't I do everything legally right. 
So I didn't feel like I need to be talked to like you howling some um, cows or right, something like that. Right, right. Go in and sit down. Turn off your phone. That's, that's, uh, move to the left. Yeah, you know, and you try to ask a simple question. So if it provoked anger in me or a spirit of whatever in me from that approach, I'm sure those that's out there that's thugging out, I'm right. sure. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's why you got the, that's why crime is at an all time high. Is that all time high because of what you you feel because it's the authority figures? Because actually, I mean, I mean, you got people's that's overpowered authority, but at the same time, they're not giving these people's nothing to where. I mean, you go to jail, you catch a felony, you come home, you can't get a job. You know what I'm saying? They want to work you at a fast food restaurant where you're making two hundred dollars a week. You know, I mean, so it's like they provoking you at the same time and they pushing you back into the streets to come home and do the same thing to lead you back to where you was at. It's the it's the system, you know. It's designed the way they the way they got it designed is is designed for failure, and not only Black African Americans because I mean it's on it's on both all races, all races. So you yeah. feel like there's no there's no help after you get in jail, and there's no help while. Do you feel like you got any help or to move forward while you was in jail? I know they have programs and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, what was your experience with that? Honestly, I was I was battling with a lot, you know, losing people's that was close to me while I was in there. I mean, I ain't gonna even lie to you. I did my whole time on the compound. I mean, I I never went to the program. I, I mean, I I didn't indulge in that, which I probably could have, should have, you know, might have would have made my time go by faster. But I didn't indulge in that. I mean, I was like I like I say, man, I was in another world inside of a world. So I kind of just tried to focus on what what, what I had going at that point of time. But when I got out, you know, I knew what I had to do to not go back. Okay, I see we got a call. We don't open up these lines. This is just real talk tonight. Right. Real talk tonight. Caller, are you there? Yes. Okay, who's calling? I am. This is, my name is Shonda. And I was calling about my experience that happened um, with the system. I wasn't taken to 201. I was taken to the women's prison out um Shelby Farms and it was really um it was really disturbing because and turn your phone down a little bit uh, we can't hardly you just turn the if you listen to the show just turn okay. it down okay it was disturbing because when I went to the place it was like I didn't know why I was there mm-hmm and so I was distraught while I was there. And so, you know, by us, modern day technology, we don't know everybody's phone. If you don't have your cell phone, you can't remember phone numbers. Right. So I was told I would have been able to be released if I could just remember the phone number. But I was so distraught and they kept me and they held me. I had to stay there, you know what I mean, pretty much overnight until you know somebody had to bail me out but i could have been released if they would have just gave me a minute so i can you know focus on everything so i could be released right and and just give them a simple phone number for somebody to come and get me out and be released on my own recognizance so do you that feel like you, me money did you feel like you experienced any rudeness did they f- treat you as if you oh, were yeah. a human being did they yes. treat you with the respect or did they treat you with as a criminal 
it, it treated me as a criminal and it was just a crime. Somebody had taken something from me and I was down there when they, the police came. They even held my ID. I was weeks later getting my ID back from the police officer. Why would the police officer still have my ID? Yeah, and that was crazy to me. And I had to go through the system all over again. Like, where's my ID? I had to go through the precincts and everything, calling to see which officer came from which precinct and had my ID. And so then when I went to court for the same situation, I was in the court and they I just walked in and they told me, turn off your, um, everybody make sure you got your phone turned off. As soon as I take my phone off, you got a little, you know, I got a little code on there. I had to put the code on there to turn the phone absolutely off. And the officer was like, no, leave. I'm texting. So they put you out of the courtroom. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Thank you, Shonda, for calling in and sharing your story. That's what we're talking about tonight. Um, I know sometimes people get in trouble or doing things wrong. They bump their head and they buy a lesson and they end up in jail or what have you. But at the same time, these are human beings. And only my plea out there to those that are in authority, and I know a lot of people, uh, my plea out there to you is to treat people with respect. Treat them with respect. These people have gotten in trouble. You don't know the root of their, their problem, but give them at least the courtesy and the respect. As I said about the love and hip hop, um, 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 young lady star Yandy was pepper sprayed during the Brooklyn riot, um, the Brooklyn protest. We got another call. I like these calls coming in. Just hold tight calling. I'm not going anywhere. But she is a celebrity. And she's just out there protesting for the rights of these people that have gotten in trouble and she get pepper sprayed. Caller, who's calling? This is your cousin, Patrick. All right, cousin Patrick. Hey, how's it going, cousin Patrick? And I'm glad you called because I was wondering if it would have been good to have somebody in authority. Um, you are. Could you tell them what you do, Patrick? <laughs> I'm a sheriff's deputy in the neighboring county of Shelby County. Okay. How you doing, Patrick? Good to hear from you. Um, give us some, what you calling in on, Patrick? Well, I'm just letting you know that I'm out here supporting. Um, I'm listening to people that are making the complaints about the criminal justice mm -hmm. system as a whole. I don't get a chance to listen to other people's points of views because I'm kind of insulated in my um, association with people. Right. So I'm just telling you I feel good to be able to listen to you because I know you're going to look at it in a 360-degree light. Exactly, because of the fact you're in, in, that, um, you know, in that industry. My brother is, my nephew, my cousin. So it's no, I, I, I'm looking at it in a way that all of us need to pay attention to how we respond to each other. Right, right. Whether you as an authority figure or whatever, your job, you're doing a wonderful job. This is an honorable job to protect and to serve. Right. But we don't want to. We, as you just said, I'm listening. And you said, I don't get a chance to interact pretty much, but I'm listening to this. That's the key thing. Hear the voice of the people. Right. Thanks. Well, Go ahead, Pat. I think, that, that 
I think that most of our problem has been that we all on both sides of the argument scream so loud that we can't hear the other ones talk. Right. You know, and if somebody would just pause just for a moment and have a little bit of tolerance of other people's situations, <laughs> then we could walk away from some of this stuff, at least having the understanding if we can't agree. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, um, everybody have a heart. And when that heart is pricked, whether it's with something bad or whether it's with something good, you're going to respond. Right. And Robert said earlier, he learned to do the right thing. Well, I appreciate you, Pat. Uh, we're going to have to get, get caught up. Uh, right. Thank you for calling in and thank you for, for listening in on the show. Yes, sir. Tell all my family I said hello. Yes, sir, I will. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Yeah. That's the key thing. Um, as I said, my heart goes out when individuals don't have a voice. You know, we don't want to call them poor people, but I would just call them people that have not had the same experiences as someone else. And you treat them as they are lower class, you know, but there's two sides to it. You know, there's some fools out there on the street as well right. that may have provoked the, the officers to stand the ground because we don't know how they've been trained. And at the same time, they have to be trained to deal with the foods that comes in. Right. And maybe that's why the tone is set. But it's good to have you here to talk about your experiences. Is it something else, um, anything else that you would like to share that um, you experienced? And was your all your time, was it down at 201 Poplar? No, sir. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, I did like six months at 201 Poplar, but... Uh, I did several years out at the penal form. I did. I mean, I, I pretty much did my share of time around around this area. I've been in Mississippi. I mean, I pretty much have been locked up in every jail around Tennessee. Not Tennessee, but the the, in, the, 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 tri- the tri-state area. Yeah, right, 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 right. Fed County, Kyville, Mississippi, I mean. And you fairly young until you started just bumping your head when you was young. You got to just stay tuned. I got a book. I'm writing. I'm in process right now, you know, working on my first book. And um, it's going to kind of guide you into all the directions that I have. When did I take that, took that wrong path? You know, when did I go down that wrong road? The book kind of going to enlighten you on all that. So the book going to enlighten us on all that. And the key thing is there's a root to every person's behavior. Right, right. And being around you, I've met a whole lot of individuals that most people would probably run from or judge or whatever. And when you sit down and talk to him, what was my boy? Could we call his name? The one I would have sat down with. Yeah. You call his What's name. What's his name? <laughs> Which one are you talking about? Uh, worm? Not worm. Is it worm? What I went to Kyrieville and talked to. Yeah. Worm. Worm. Was it worm? Yeah. Worm was all on the news. Right. Right. And right. was accused of something. He didn't do it. And worm right. just broke down. Worm is you out there. If you listen to it, get, <laughs> get back in contact with PJ. That's my boy. So everyone, they have a heart, right. you know, they probably put on the image of, of whatever, but they have a heart. Can you just give us um, something just a little bit to, to tease us to want to get the book when it come out? What triggered those behaviors that caused you to be in every jail in the Tri-State area? Well, actually, I can't just really say what caused me to be in. For one, what I'm mean, talking about the behaviors. What for what, one? For one? For one? I was in the fast lane. You know, I didn't want to listen to what nobody had to say. I mean, not saying that I wasn't listening because I actually was, 
but I wasn't, you know, moving on the reaction. I wasn't moving on what they were saying. I was in my own little world. Money, you know, money had me gone at the time, you know, money and you got cars, you got a couple of trap houses, you got a place you lay your head, you know, at a young age, you know, they, they can kind of get it twisted. You know, it can, it can kind of lead you down the wrong way. And, um, you know, actually, my mom left my daddy at a fairly early age in our life. And, you know, my daddy was everything to me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was just, you know, it it kind of went left when she when my mom left my daddy. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, it kind of went left when she left my daddy. And, I mean, I still can remember because it was, you know, my Aunt Jackie had just passed. And, uh, you know. And it was her birthday yesterday. We saluted to her. Right. You know, and. um my aunt Jackie from Chicago had just passed, and um, you know we buried her, put her away, and it was like the following week. You know what I'm saying? It was like a tornado hit our house. You know what I'm saying? And shoot, mom went one way, and you know the kids. You know what normally what they do? They pack the kids up too. You know what I'm saying? So we had to roll. You got to and go was, with mama. That was a kind of hard coat for me. You know, it, it, it really was. It, it, it was hard on me, and at the same time, I made bad choices. And that's the key thing also. And I keep saying key things, the roots and all that. Um, a lot of times family issues, we look at our young people and we judge them and say they just bad and all that. What you got to get to the trigger point. And that's a that's very important for you to say, because there's a lot of young people out here that don't have the father figures. And there's young people that have the father figures and then they're taken away. And those behaviors, if their father's out there, even mothers, it's out there. You have to think about your child before you make drastic decisions. Because these kids didn't actually come into the world. So you got to make decisions based on is will this affect this child? Right. Because when they get out there and doing stuff, then everybody, he's bad. He went to jail for this. He went to jail for that. What right. was the root to that? What part did you play? Because I strongly believe that when I f see a young person going uh, in a, to the left, I just feel like, OK, somebody failed you. What right. adult failed you? Because it's the adults that's supposed to train us. Actually, I'm going to bag up a piece and I'm going to get on that. I felt like when my mom when my mom left my dad, it was more like, you know, um, we was kind of heartbroken. I mean, it really touched us in the wrong way because, I mean, we never seen no physical nothing. All of, you know, the abuse or whatever. We, I never seen my dad put his hands on my mama. So when she was so ready and so thrilled to leave him, it was more like, what you leaving for? You know what right, I'm saying? That's, right. that's how I was looking at it. Like, damn. What you did didn't he, understand what, what, what did he do? their relationship. You right. didn't understand what was going on. Right. And a lot of times, kids don't understand. Right, right. They're not going to let you see everything. But if she left them, it was a reason. Right. It was mentally. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't physically abuse. It was mentally abuse. You know what I'm saying? And as I got older, I realized the abuse it was. You know what I'm saying? But it really stirred me. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I just didn't care. You know what I'm saying? All I, all I, you know, once I got kicked out of school, I, I, I went my own separate way. You know, I got kicked out of school in the ninth grade. So, you know, that was kind of hard on my mother. And at the same time, I was doing grown, you know, my mama said, you're doing things that you don't supposed to be doing. So, you know, I kind of left home at, at a young age and, you know, I raised myself pretty much from 15, 15, 16 on up. So let's go back to, um, the system, your experiences in the system, would you say that there is a trend of the same behaviors, both with the inmates and with um, the jailers um, in the in the three states that you've been in? Do you see the same pattern, the same treatment? 
it's well actually you're gonna have you're gonna have attitudes everywhere you go but you know what i'm saying i can't say some some of those officers actually they got kids in the same situation you know what i'm saying so some of them come in they know how to cope more with your problem than the next because you know, they got because they got kids i mean her son might be in there right beside me you right. know what I'm saying? So some of them, you know, they look at they look at it different, and they more calm, or you know what I'm saying, and easy spoke. You know, they you know what I'm saying you can get something through. I mean, to make to make a long story short, I had a guy that was locked up with us. He was locked up for you know what I'm saying about two two to three weeks at 201, and um, he didn't actually. The police had they they you know put their hands on him or whatever, and had whooped him pretty bad, and you know they had him isolated, but he couldn't get reach to his people. He couldn't get a phone call through to his family. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like Shonda said with the caller. Right. So one of the jealous called his family. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And enlighten them on what was going on. You know what I'm saying? So I can say, you know, all of them is not bad. Like all officers not bad. You know what I'm saying? You got you got you got your picks, I guess. It's a pick of them, you know. All right. You got some that's in 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 that lead that take that badge and go a little farther than what right, they right. should they're, say. They're, they're bruised authority. I just talked to someone just the other day. You say this guy got whipped. We don't know. I don't know the situation of where he got whipped, but I just talked to somebody and I was going to bring him on the show, but he wasn't ready to come on the show. But he said that when he was a teenager, they got pulled over and the guys actually, you know, searched them and did all that other stuff and patted them down and everything. And he was abused because right. the first thing he told me, he said that he's always told his son, if you ever get pulled over, be very, very respectful right. because he don't want you to get beat up or he don't want you to get raped. Right. And in the back of my head, you get pulled over and beat up and raped. Where did that come from? Why would you tell your son that? And he had an experience when he was a teenager right. that the officer, you know, was searching them. And then he said, and he just demonstrated, said the officer came back again and, and searched them down and started rubbing his buttocks right. and then grabbed them in the crotch. And right. then he hit the officer. And that's when they commenced. The other officer came over and they started beating him and they got him for resisting arrest. Right. So you have some bad cops out there right. that's doing some crazy things. And if some are listening, Hey, talk time with Ramalis Jones is calling you out. Right. You know, we're just here to say, you know, be cognizant of the fact that when you are here to protect and serve, these are individuals as well. And for those civilians, be cognizant of the fact that when you are approached by authority figure, you have to give them the respect. Right. It's a give and take situation. Right. So you would say that in the tri-state area, it basically wasn't no different? Is that what you're saying? Everywhere I went, it was different. You know what I'm saying? Because some some officers will let you jail. You know what I'm saying? For those who know what I mean. What they'll, does that mean? This is real conversation. They'll let you jail. You what know what jail saying? mean? I mean, we had a couple officers. They come in there and it was like, hey, McGee, it's too loud in here. You know what I'm saying? Put something in the air. You know what I'm saying? Some of them will come and warn us. Put your phone or whatever you got in this facility. You need to put it up. They finna come do a shakedown. You know okay. what I'm saying? So you had oh, you some. Tell you, you had some of them that. You <laughs> that know, was cool with that you. Actually, yeah. And also, I mean, you had some of them, you know, they, had, they once been on the streets too. You know what I'm saying? You had brothers. Brothers of the struggle. Some of them was officers. You know what I'm saying. So if they, I mean, you know, they didn't live their life the same way. I mean, you, I can't, I, you can't knock him for what road he chose to take to take care of his family. That's how. That's what I had to learn. And actually, shout out to my wife. You know what I'm saying? Because she the one put that in me. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I had a big thing for the police. Oh, I, I hate the police. You know what I'm saying? But now, I mean, I understand because I. 
I have little cousins that's also actually officers. You right. know what I'm saying? And 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 man, they got to feed their family. They, I wouldn't you know, say okay. You said you hate the police, but that's not really uh, actually. That's not. Today, that's not today. That was past tense. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I, I really had a thing for the police. Let though. me let me ask you this: Where did that thing come from? That's the core of what the show is about. This episode is about. Where did that derive from? Actually, I feel like they was hating on me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, they pulling me over. I mean, I had nice cars at a young age. You know, big rims. They was pulling me over for nothing. If you ask me. Because sometimes, I mean, actually, I mean, I asked him when he come to the car, what did you pull me over for? He couldn't even tell me what he pulled me over for. But you know what I'm saying? Of course, he comes to the car, the car, the car might not be all the way right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you're doing some, some crooked stuff. Right. But where does this energy that all, you know, I deal with a lot of young people and they say they don't like the police. Where did that come from? Is it because of the police behaviors or is it because of the fact that this is what they're... I'm going to keep it 100. I want you to keep it 100. Let's get to the core of it. It's because of your wrongdoings. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't have no problem with no police because I know what I'm doing. Right. I go home. I can go to sleep at oh. night. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I ain't worrying about the police running in my house and doing whatever they got to do or trying to take this or take that or either snatch my body up because I know what I'm doing. But when I was out there doing what... I ain't had no business doing And you know that they could come and lock your butt up. There you go. So the court is, you, now this is just from somebody that's been out there. So right. you keeping it 100. Right. You hate the police because of your wrongdoing. Right. Because you know they can lock your butt up. Right. You know so it ain't really nothing that the police is doing. It was, you know, I mean, they, they was my one of my worst enemies. I mean, if I'm, if I'm running. So they the enemy. Okay. At the time they was. I was running the streets and they was getting in my way. Okay, because I'm just trying to get to it. You know, I just want to make sure, put me in the mindset of Stanford experience. Okay, that was Marcus Jones. Y'all feel free to call in, y'all. Um, so it's not because the police is just being so wrong. Most people that have that attitude, they don't like them because they know that they're the enemy. They know that they can get locked up. The police going to come stop them from what they're doing. Right. Going to stop them from eating. Right, but from, at, the, at the same time, it ain't what you do, it's how you do it. You know what I'm saying? When I was when I was out there, I mean, I'm riding, I'm smoking in my car. You know, I mean, it ain't you ain't even got to ask him do he got proper calls because when I let the window down, he got calls. You know what I'm saying? So right now, shoot, I mean, I don't care about no police pulling me over. Shoot, what do you? Because you straight. Yeah, I mean, he ain't even smell now. You know what I'm saying? License and insurance. Uh, what do you need, sir? And one thing, my license never been suspended. I right. never had suspended license. Had my license ever since I was like 16. Never had suspended license. I get pulled over. They take me in. So you have learned from all of your experiences. Yes. Okay. Before I shift to that, uh, and I know we just got a little bit more time and I want to talk about some other stuff, but is there some inside stuff that most people, most civilians don't know that take place in the jail cells? I mean, yes, it is. You know, of course, that's everywhere you go. Yeah, it is some inside stuff that go on, you know, that, that shouldn't be go on. But at the same time, you know what I'm saying? you get Like I said, you got some of them jealous. Them folks ain't paying them enough. You know what I'm saying? They ain't paying them enough. That, that check ain't enough. You know okay, let me rephrase that. Is there some inside stuff that you could talk about? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... Everybody had a move, you know what I'm saying? You might find you a move. I ain't going to talk about how I got the move, but I mean. If What's I, a move? Like if, at, at if granddaddy I, place? If, no, not like at granddaddy place. It's somebody who was going to, you know, 
take a chance and bring their bomb in. You know what I'm saying? Well, so it's a bomb, like something gonna explode or something. Ain't nothing gonna explode. It's just whatever I needed at the time <laughs> to help me cope with being in jail. <laughs> okay, they bringing moves, muse, yeah, and bombs. Well, I mean, yes, bombs, bombs, music. What's in your cup? No, I'm just clapping. I am, you know, actually, I don't even drink. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just clapping. But we talk about, so that's the only thing you can tell me. I guess only people that's out there, they may know what a mule is and a bomb is. Right. I mean, the officer could be the mule. Put it like that. The officer is the mule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The officer could be the mule. Okay. I mean, we can leave the compound, you know? You can't leave the compound. Nah. So the officer may bring you some stuff. Okay, you know, so my thing, like I said, is, um, you know, I had a bad experience and maybe it was just, it was just me. I just feel like people should be respectful and everything. And I don't want any young person out there to, um, go to left field because somebody that's in, um, authority, f- um, figure that, um, um, may re- respond to you in a, in a bad way. Right. I've had some stuff that, to go on with me in the state of Mississippi. And, you know, I don't push the, st- the show on me, but I did have an experience outside of 201 probably with the state of Mississippi right. um, for driving right. um, a high-end vehicle. Right. I, I, I remember that. And I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to talk about my stuff because it's, I'm just bringing y'all on, but I was arrested in Mississippi for, for something simple. Yes, he was. You know, so I've been to jail too, but I just felt <laughs> like, you know, all great people have to go to jail at some point, I guess. We got another caller. Jesus went to jail my little king went to jail so i guess it was my turn all right caller who, who's calling hey my name is marcus jones how are you today i'm good marcus i see you coming and how are you i'm good man i'm just sitting here watching y'all talk i had to put it on mute because i didn't want that background but uh, i'm listening to this fellow talk and it reminds me of my experience um uh, i didn't have a um i guess you should say going to jail experience because i i wasn't like a young cat i heard you know knocking and bucking but i will say this i was down at the uh bill street music fest maybe the last like last year or year before last or whatever have you uh-huh. and uh and one of my friends we were racing a profile and we were treated really bad by one of the police officers uh when we came in we came in like checked in our tickets or whatever have you and then we was like oh we gotta go use the bathroom so we walked over to the porta potty and I got out before my homie came out. So we were getting ready to go and meet up with our other friends. And then out of nowhere, a police officer yells, get your ass up against the fence. Wow. I don't know if I can. Like no, that. you but, say um, that. No, I mean, so you, I'm, he said it. I'm looking around because like, and I, just to give you guys a breakdown, like I like to think of myself as a pretty, you know, open-minded guy. So I'm looking around like, oh, who is he talking to? Like somebody finna like, you know, he finna go off. And I look off and I'm like, this man ain't talking to me. Right. And so he runs up like he's not giving us the opportunity to talk or anything. He's just like yelling at us and screaming and just like being really like disrespectful. And keep in mind, this is a, like this Bill Street Music Fest. So it's probably predominantly, you know, mixed crowd, white, black, whatever have you. But we two black guys just getting yelled at at the fence. So as the guy's yelling at us, I'm trying to tell him, like, hey, I got my ticket in my pocket. Like, if you need to, like, you know what I'm saying? If it, Like, whatever's going on. So he's not listening to me. So happened one of the girls that's working the event. I look over at her, and I was like, can you come over? Like, I'm gesturing to her. Like, you nod my head to get her to come over. And she comes over. She's like, I can scan their ticket and see, like, if they have a ticket. So he stops and listens to her. And she scans our tickets. Like, yeah, they just clocked in 15 minutes ago. He, you can leave. And I was, like, thinking to myself, like, Yo, like, that was mad disrespectful. Like, I, I felt, like, objectified. Like, it was one of, the, one of the most worst experience I ever had. And I usually don't, like, I'm not, I mean, I haven't been, like, I don't usually break through, maybe, like, speed every now and then. But I just, it really dawned on me just how, like, black bodies and black men in our culture are just, like, 
brutalized by the police. It's just like it was second nature for him just to treat us like disrespectful. Like he didn't like and I can only imagine if we were any other person, like I was there with like a few of my white friends, Asian, whatever have you. I'm pretty sure if I was with any of those other guys or any of those other people, I wouldn't have had that same experience. But the gentleman that I went to the bathroom with, both of us was black and I think he just saw and he he was a black officer. Right. That's what that's that's what I wanted to ask you. What color? What race was the he officer? He was black. He was black. And I got home. I was telling my parents about. this like you should have got his badge number. But like me, that was slick traumatizing for me. So I never had like an experience like that. Like it was it was it was. I, I was just trying to get away from it. And when you don't have an experience like that, it is traumatizing. Right. And Marcus, I'm glad that you called in because that's what I'm saying. You know. um, um, I I didn't get a chance to um, even ask the officer. This is my experience. Just last week, they was just rude, yeah. and I know yeah, they could, they can provoke like me. Right? If they yeah. can provoke me, and I didn't, you know, I don't just wear the head of talk down from Malice Zone. I pastored for yeah. 15, fifteen years and been in ministry exactly. over twenty years. But you know what? He's 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 trained to see through media, TV, everything. Oh, this is a black man. He's automatically a threat. And so I must like behave in a certain way. Let me ask you this before we um, let you go. Did you ever find Uh out why he did that? Truth be told, I was told that he heard that two black guys had snuck into the festival. But even if that's so, there was one, there was no reason to treat us that way. Where have we been two knuckleheads sneaking in? We hadn't robbed anybody. They could have asked you, can I see your ticket? Or do you have a ticket, sir? It's a way to do that. Two, we racially profiled. Like, just because I was black and they, like, I just fit the description of being black at a freaking music festival. You know how many people are out here that are different colors? You just saw us and just assumed that we were thugs or something bad. Like, one, dressed apart. My my homie works for St. Jude. Like, I work for a hospital. Like, we ain't those type of guys and no knocking nobody that are those type of guys but right you just just based off how we look you just saw exactly black men, but right you went ham on right no just reason. just like with and me didn't apologize. right yep. right and that's how it goes thank you marcus we don't have much time um left i want to get some more stuff in but thank you uh, marcus make definitely sure you definitely. like the page and please tune in and, and sure. y'all feel free to share what you want to talk about on the show but thanks for calling sure. in marcus thanks for calling in no problem. and just like marcus just said he works for saint jude or what have you right and just because of what they had on and then the bad part about it is it wasn't a Caucasian it wasn't an Asian it wasn't a Mexican or what have you that with my experience it was our own people it was our own people and all I'm saying to the people out there we need to wake up if you are an authority figure you need to um, show respect and if you are a civilian you show respect Robert what are you doing now you are a the epitome of a success story you're not all perfect right uh, or what have you, but you have come a long ways in six years, right. and I'm honored to have you on this show. I'm right. honored to have um, the podcast that even the DA, I'm not going to call his name, if he even look at the show, this is one of his success stories. He stopped and helped you get out of that system right. where they was trying to get you lost in the system, and, and you are now doing great things. Right. What would you say to the people um, that is listening in? What words would you have for people that's listening in as we come to a close? One thing I can say, if, if, if you believe in yourself, you can make it. You know what I'm saying? And um, overall, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, I had to spot myself from a lot of people, a lot of people. I couldn't go to the hood. I couldn't go do this. I couldn't go this because I had to. I was dealing with self. So I had to change myself. I had to get strong within self. And then it was more smoother for me to cope with the things I see and don't see. 
But um, overall, you know, I mean, it's just been a blessing. I got out when I did get out of prison. It, it went a year later. About a year later, I ended up opening up a beauty supply store, like a boutique. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I opened that up in Mississippi. And I honestly did that to get some of my money back because they took a lot of money from me, you know, as I was dealing with the system. So, um, you know, I kind of fled from that. I left the store alone. I started doing flea market state to state because we started, you know, getting into the music. So we really didn't have time to be consolidated at that store. I mean, honestly, I worked that store apply for about two years straight, almost seven days a week. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Two two years straight, seven days a week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it kind of got overwhelming. And at the same time, when I wasn't there, a lot was going around, around my store. Them folks was robbing everything, Dollar General, gas station, everything. And I mean, I care for my family so much. So the peoples that I had in place that was at the store, I didn't want somebody to run up in the store and try to rob my little brother, run up in the store and try to rob Morgan. You know what I'm saying? Because they the one holding the store down while I'm doing what I was doing. So basically what you would say to people um, is self-preservation. Right. Doing a uh, a self-check. Right. Even with the hatred that you say most people have for the police is because of them, what they're doing. It's only it's, it's only because of your actions. It's only because of what you're doing. Because, I mean, when I leave here, I can ride down the road. Even if I am speeding, if the police pull me over, I mean, it's not no panic. It's not no panic mode or nothing. I mean, license, insurance, what you need, let me go. You know what I'm saying? So you what when do you anticipate the book to come out? Actually, man, uh, y'all be looking for my book sometime in November. Sometime in November. Okay. So what do you have coming up next with um, Rico Montel? Actually, Rico Montel is right now. You know what I'm saying? He he, he got a lot of main events coming up. You know what I'm saying? We pretty much uh, we we actually get booked up one more show. We'll be booked up into May. You know what I'm saying? So I shout out to God for that. And, um, you know, he just finna be doing more state to state appearances. And, um, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you feel like you, um, if you feel like you're in the city, you're in the city of Memphis, you want to work with Rico Montel, you know what I'm saying? Um, contact us, you know what I'm saying? That's I'm my on- next question is how do they contact you? Are you grooming other artists or are you just strictly focused on Rico Montel or could people call you? No, no, no. To- Actually, um, it's a team, you know what I'm saying? We got a team. We got we got plenty of artists, you know what I'm saying? My little nephew is one of them, you know what okay. I'm saying? He's going to drop his mixtape. Okay, so you know? tell the people where they can find you. Tell the you people can find where- me on Facebook at um, Robert McGee. You can find me on IG at Forever Family Entertainment. And um, I'm on YouTube as um, Forever Family Entertainment, you know what I'm saying? And um, actually, I ain't hard to find. DM me. So we're going to have to bring you back. This has been fun um, to have you here as a co-host. And we're going to have to definitely get you back in here um, because um, I would like to delve more into the system and deal with um, our young people that's out here um, that's really trying to get to the next level. But you have obstacles or people treating you a certain way or even those that's in jail that needs to know how to get out of that system. Right. So we want to bring you back because you. this is a live, real experience for you. And I appreciate you for coming on Talk Time with Ramalis Jones. No problem. For those of you that are listening in next week, we're going to have um, a, a, a historian in the house um, as we conclude Black History Month. Um, what caused Dr. King's death? He was here for the sanitation strike. So we have one of the sanitation workers that's coming in and we are excited for that. Mr. Nickelberry and um, may have somebody else special that's coming in. So stay tuned. Make sure you go like the page. Talk time with Romalis Jones and the um, YouTube page is coming up soon. Once again, thanks for listening in and be prayerful, be positive and stay focused.
Amen. God bless. The preceding is an OM production. For more information, go to the OAMnetwork.com.